Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Lindsay Shearer, and we're going to explore how to get started with Pinterest ads. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram, and if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our amazing future content. Are you looking for smart solutions to grow your agency? When your agency partners with Wix, you unlock an entire digital ecosystem for creating, managing, and growing your business online so you can run your agency the way you've always wanted to. Get the full coding and design freedom to create anything your clients need, along with the tools to manage and collaborate with your team seamlessly from anywhere. And when it comes to growing your business, you can get matched with new leads every day and earn revenue share for every website you create. They'll all be backed by Wix's industry-leading security and site performance. You'll also have dedicated account managers on standby 24-7 so you can reach your goals and start setting new ones. See for yourself. Head over to Wix.com partners and reimagine what your agency can accomplish. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. Hey, I've got a quick question for you. Do you lack the confidence to run Facebook and Instagram ads for your business? Do you feel like you're missing out on an enormous pool of future customers? Are you ready to quit using ads because you just don't know why they're not working? Here's the solution. You need a guide. Someone who can help you predictably increase your revenue with Facebook and Instagram ads. What if you could tap the insights of a major influencer, someone who's been on this show three times to receive guidance that really works? She's a regular on our weekly talk show. She's been all over our YouTube channel and she's spoken on all of our stages. Who is this expert? It's Allie Bloyd. Her specialty is helping small business marketers increase their sales with Facebook and Instagram ads. With her 12-month mentorship program, she'll show you how to develop a proven system so you can predictively increase your revenue. You get four to six hours live with Allie Bloyd every week. This is not just pre-recorded videos. This is live mentorship. 
Throw away all your other courses and coaches. Stop struggling. Join Marketing Mastery with Ali Bloyd, the easy decision for small business marketers. Go to AliBloyd.com slash SME and apply today. Discover how to use paid acquisition with confidence and grow your business predictively. Again, visit AliBloyd.com slash SME. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. And now for this week's interview with Lindsay Shearer. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Lindsay Shearer. If you don't know who Lindsay is, she's a Pinterest ads expert, and she's author of Amplified Ambition. Her agency, Pins for Profit, helps e-commerce and info product marketers accelerate their sales with Pinterest. Her course is Crushed Pin Ads. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Super excited to be here and help you crush your pin ads. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm super excited to explore basically what marketers need to know to get started with Pinterest ads. Now, before I go there, I'd love to hear a little bit of your backstory. Start wherever you want. But how the heck did you get into Pinterest? Tell us the story. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I feel like the older I get, the more I reflect on everything entrepreneurship, I think, and even digital marketing is something that really is like in your blood. <laughs> it's a way of being and it's a way of thinking about the world and integrating and and just really relating to other people. And so I feel it's crazy because even I was trying to think back through my story and I realized I've been doing this forever, basically since the beginning of the internet. So wait, so since like the 90s you're talking about, right? Yes. <laughs> That's cool. Even in college. Yeah. I So I graduated and my first job, it was crazy. I took this like crazy job for this guy that was an inventor huh. and he was like working on all these medical technologies. And I was also working part-time as a graphic designer at the time. And I was in medical school. Wow. <laughs> it was like a crazy turn of events. But yeah, I, I answered this ad for this super cool, very eccentric guy who was in the medical field, but he was also into engineering and just trying and testing all these things. And so I, early on, I got interested in online marketing and I was doing a lot of graphic design at the time and messaging and learning about psychology. And it was a very interesting introduction into the online marketing world. Well, keep going. Like how in the world did that lead you to Pinterest? Basically, he was working on all these different technologies and I got into mergers and acquisitions because I helped him sell. It's like crazy when I think about it. As an 18-year-old, I was helping this guy sell like a $35 million portfolio of inventions. Wow. And in order to do that, I learned really quickly on in the process that you really need to get data as fast as you can. And the fastest way to do that is with online marketing. And so we started really looking at just early, early like Google display ad type of ads. And we were running all these different tests to try and get enough data to sell the company so that investors would be excited about the numbers that we were looking at and all of that kind of stuff. And we were having to do all these presentations and patent reviews. And so very early on, I was just testing a million things and trying a lot of different things and trying to figure out the metrics that people were looking at in the mergers and acquisitions field back then to convince someone to invest in your brand or at the time invest in different technologies. And then that led to me really falling in love with mergers and acquisitions, which I did for a long time, 
business development. I was helping a lot of different kinds of businesses. I became a business broker in the process and helped a lot of different kinds of businesses get ready for sale or buy other businesses. And so I was a very early adopter of social marketing, digital marketing, and just really trying to get that data early on. So it was fun. It was definitely an interesting time, much cheaper and easier than it is now. (laughs) So tell us, like, when did you stumble into Pinterest? So after about seven or eight years of really doing digital marketing, I started one of my own brands. I got into holistic medicine and I realized in the process how unhealthy it was in the corporate world and how my work-life balance was terrible. And even though I was young and I was really into fitness, I never really felt that great. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start a holistic medical business. And in the process, I hired a bunch of people, built this huge practice, and we did physical therapy and acupuncture and all this kind of stuff. I was located in Southern California, so we were trying a lot of experimental treatments and things like that. And really, what set us above everyone else was that I understood marketing. And so I was able to get us a lot of clients really quickly. And that was back then, that was mainly through SEO and some social ads and stuff like that. And so after running the clinic for probably six or seven years, I realized I just don't really want to treat patients anymore. I got a bunch of degrees and did all that kind of stuff back then. I had a friend who I had hired, actually. This is such a funny, crazy turn of events. His name is Ryan Fiore, who is now the VP of marketing for Manscaped, if you've heard of that company. Mm -hmm. Way back in the day, before they were anyone, I was helping him kind of get Manscaped off the ground just as a fun project. And we were doing different Amazon stuff and trying a million different kind of Facebook ads. Used to grind it out like all day and all night on Facebook. And he introduced me to another friend who ended up being the head of SEO for Manscaped. And so in that process, I fell really in love with SEO, which I had already understood because I was doing it for my clinic. And I ended up just fully transitioning into working more with those guys and starting my own digital agency on mainly the SEO side and some social ads. And in the process, we sort of randomly started ranking some things that were we were testing out on Pinterest. And I started realizing the large volume of traffic that was coming from Pinterest. And I was like, man, nobody's doing this. What year was this just out of curiosity? Uh, This was about, let's see, seven or eight years ago now. Okay, so uh, doing live math, we're talking about 2014 or 15 or something like that? Yeah, 14, 15. Okay. And that was before Pinterest even had an ad platform. And so we were kind of just, I was going really hard on the organic side, just as a part of my social strategy. And at that time I had started the agency. So I was picking up a lot of different kinds of brands and trying a lot of different things. And then Pinterest launched their ad platform about four years ago. And so I was an early adopter of just running ads on there and trying a lot of different things. And this was kind of right before all of this stuff right before all this stuff started happening with all the iOS and that just kind of is forcing people to really have to look at a multi-channel strategy. And it's really easy, especially in the, I I work a lot with e-commerce entrepreneurs. And so looking at opening new channels is not your first line of defense really in e-commerce. You really are trying to get your Facebook ads and your Google ads up and get some quick wins and Maybe even you're a drop shipper and you're trying to figure out products that are going to work and sell to your audience. And so once a brand gets a little bit more established, then they're looking for new data traffic sources. So that's where I felt like we had a really good blue ocean space of 
Pinterest ads combined with SEO, which nobody really understood, much less was doing at the time even. And I don't even know that there really are still (laughs) a lot of people that understand how it really works together and can work together. And so I got really blessed to be able to open that new blue ocean market and super niche down and just go really hard after marketing and all that kind of stuff. And so it felt like overnight, really pins for profit just blew up and speaking at all the biggest conferences in the world and published in all the big journals and magazines. And yeah, it's been a really fun whirlwind. And none of that was with paid ads, which is pretty insane when I think about it. So what are you doing today? Like, Bring us to the present moment. Yeah. So at the time, my agency was called Brand Ranks, which it still is because we do a lot of SEO. And so we opened an entire division of the agency for just Pinterest ads, which is called Pins for Profit. And we were doing a lot of organic. So now we're doing both ads and organic. And then I've done all different kinds of stuff, software development. My heart has always been business growth and growing large teams. And so I'm always investing in different companies and (laughs) looking at different types of softwares and things that I think that are going to bring good solutions and really trying to help people adjust to all the things that are happening with all the iOS updates and really create brands that are going to be sustainable long term from a growth marketing perspective. Excellent. I'm super glad that you're on the show because we have not, that I recall, covered Pinterest ads. We might have, but I don't think we have if it's been a while. So a lot of the listeners right now are definitely focused on Facebook and Instagram ads and probably haven't given a second thought to Pinterest ads. So I would love you to share why they should consider Pinterest ads in light of the fact that, you know, they're probably advertising already on Facebook. What's your reaction or thoughts to that question? Yeah. And as a Facebook and Google advertiser, I'm sure you're aware that now it's very much harder to get good data. And so everything's costing more, it's getting more expensive. And so everyone's really looking for this overall picture. And if you've been advertising on some of the larger channels for a longer period of time, you may have a little bit more of a saturated audience. You may be looking for more what we call top of funnel or brand new people who haven't seen your brand before. And Pinterest is the number 10 search engine in the marketplace. So it's really much bigger, I think, than people realize. And not only that, the quality of users that are on Pinterest the average household income for someone who is a Pinterest user is over $100,000 a year. So that's a lot of money. And people are going on there planning purchases. So it's a very intentional, intent-based platform versus what you would consider Facebook is more of what's really considered disruptive media where someone's on there for social purposes and then you're kind of interrupting their social feed with advertising. Whereas Pinterest, people are really going for inspiration. They're going to look to get an idea for something. So say, I always tell people, if you're planning to redo your living room, for example, before you go to Google or Amazon and buy a beautiful rug that you love and buy a sofa and pick out your paint colors, you're going to go to Pinterest to get some inspiration, figure out some things that you like, save a bunch of pins, and then come back later and make some purchasing decisions. But you're going on there with the intention of making decisions for your purchase. So we see a lot of really great markets in home decor, fashion, beauty, hair care, skin care, a lot of things for women. But now actually the user base is over 40% men on Pinterest as well. So it's definitely up and growing for the male audience as well. 
Love it. So what I'm hearing you say is it's a visual search engine that has intent behind it, meaning people aren't just going there to scroll like they do on Instagram. They're going there to actually probably find something in particular that might inspire them downstream to purchase something, right? I mean, I I know people make their like vision boards and stuff like that on Pinterest and all these other kinds of boards, of course. But do you have any sense of any of the metrics? I know you said that 40% are men, so it's overwhelmingly women. Do you have any sense of whether it's the age of these folks and maybe any other metrics off the top of your head? And I know I'm completely maybe throwing this at you without you knowing this data, but do you have any sense of it, even if it's just a random? Yeah, you know, it grows. There's not been an audience that we have not been able to target on Pinterest. So I've had everything from just products that you would think are for a much younger audience to things for much older audience that, that are more like DIY, everything from crocheting to any kind of home decor stuff really spans a large age range. But I would say in general, initially, I was only taking on clients that were really focused more on women. But now, if a brand has like, for example, for this holiday season, we're taking on a lot of gifts for men. We do that as well for Father's Day is a really huge time of the year. So I would say anywhere between 18 and up, really, (laughs) it's a great place. You've got a very large variety of audience on there. And I kind of remember, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I remember that Pinterest has made a lot of investments on their camera to enable you to kind of like visualize what something's going to look like in a room. Does that sound right or am I totally off on that? Yeah. And, you know, there are new types of ads that they've just launched, too, in the last couple months with idea pins and some of these things where they're trying to compete with the Instagram stories and Instagram reels and things like that to really give you a much more clear Exactly. Perspective of seeing the visual perspective of what's going on. There's a feature on a partner platform called Tailwind that has what you're describing that will kind of give you a feature within the room and you can kind of look around. Well, yeah, I kind of remember back when we used to cover Pinterest a little bit more for our talk show that there was an ability for you to like look in your camera and throw something into the room virtually and kind of design a room as a consumer, you know what I mean? Like you're hold up your phone and throw a couch over there and see how that's going to (laughs) look. Yeah. Almost like an engineering. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen that in a while. (laughs) Okay. Well, and they also had the ability to like, I think take pictures of products and also try to find them on Pinterest. Is that there? Is that true? Or is that not? Yeah. You know, I don't really use that. I can't make any promises about that. We use more of like keyword based search intent. Right. Well, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think the applications of Pinterest are bigger than a lot of people might wrap their head around because if it's got a utilitarian value to a base of consumers who are using it in creative ways to visualize products or services that they might want to invest in, well, that's, that's a neat functional opportunity. Now, I guess one of the questions I've got for you, is there any products that don't work well on Pinterest You mentioned that, you know, obviously products that are e-commerce products that are being sold around holidays work really well on Pinterest. I mean, what about business to business and what about some of these other applications? Do they work on Pinterest or is it more physical products that you're going to be shipping that are really ideal for Pinterest? E-commerce and info products do really well. So like if you have a course or you're uh, creating a mastermind or even like a planner, something, anything DIY does really well on Pinterest. B2B is a little hit or miss. We've done some interesting things that were a fit for Pinterest, like 
a DIY type of epoxy that people would use to build their own products and things like that, that kind of makes sense for more of like an Etsy, Pinterest type audience, B2B do well and B2B info products. Well, I love the info products. I love the info products are often B2B, right? Because yes. you're selling it to someone else who's buying it for a business intent, right? Yes. Like a mastermind, you know, for business, right? Then you're going to be targeting other people that are business people, right? Or a course teaching someone how to do something. That's a fascinating use case for Pinterest because I think there's a decent amount of our audience that is selling information or selling yeah. services, right? And I would imagine if you're selling services, that also sounds like an opportunity, right? It could be local services like carpet cleaners or roofers. I mean, are these things that could be done on Pinterest or is that not necessarily possible? They can be done. I usually recommend because the audience is smaller than like a Facebook or a Google. Usually you're looking more of the service-based businesses on Google, I usually recommend, or if you're going to do Facebook with a geolocation. So Pinterest is a little bit more broad in the sense of you can really only select larger cities and sometimes the audiences there are small. So yes, if you want to retarget on there, I absolutely would. And I would take it from a perspective of, an education-based perspective. So if you're already writing good blogs and things like that, and if you have any type of products that can be used or sold outside of your region, then yes, I would definitely focus on Pinterest. But if you're just a straight service-based business and you only serve like 10 zip codes, probably I would say, no, it's not your best, best fit. Unless at some point you intend to basically sell other info products or things like that, that would serve a wider audience. But if it's an online service, then I would imagine you're good to go, right? Yeah. Online services are great. Anything that doesn't really require you to be there physically is always good. <laughs> and you mentioned a really, really great point earlier that I just want to hit on a little bit harder. And that is a lot of people think that Pinterest is just a social media site and it always kind of gets grouped in with Instagram and all of these things that are more of social related sites. But actually, one of the most beautiful, magical things about Pinterest is it's really a search engine. So if you treat it like a search engine in the sense of looking up different keywords and really trying to solve problems and create information products that are solving problems that people are looking for and searching for, you're going to have really, really good success, similar to how you would on Google. And the Pinterest user base is all about education. So if you write great blogs or you have great video tutorials and things like that, do really, really well on Pinterest. So let's talk about ads on Pinterest. What are the most commonly used ad types on Pinterest? Talk to me about those a little bit. Yeah, I'll tell you about the ones that we use the most. And those would be traffic campaigns. They used to be called, now they're called consideration. <laughs> then we have conversion campaigns, which can really optimize for deeper funnel objectives like collecting leads or adding to cart or checking out. And then my personal favorite is the shopping campaigns. They get really, really good results. And so if you have a brand that has quite a few products, you can definitely add those into a feed and create a shopping campaign there. And also the shopping campaigns are the only place that you can dynamically retarget on Pinterest. So say you see a pair of shoes that you love then Pinterest will automatically dynamically retarget, AKA show you that same pair of shoes again. So you can re-interact with that thing that you saw that you loved, which is really cool. So let's go through each one of these on the consideration ad, which is traffic. Yeah. Talk to us, describe what that ad might look like visually, where it shows up, 
how it works. Just give us a little bit on that. Each type of ad, you can choose the same places that you want it to show up, whether it be in search or in interest base, similar to how you would with Facebook, where if you're going through your ads manager and you're choosing a variety of different interests or age groups, things like that, you can do the same thing on Pinterest for any of those types of ads. The difference is, so with the traffic slash consideration objective, you're optimizing for impressions and cost per click. So it's really good for if you've run any kind of Facebook ads, you know that getting brand awareness and getting kind of some engagement and testing your creative to see who's engaging with what or your ad copy, all of those kinds of things. We typically start with a traffic type of campaign that's going to give you some engagement, give you an idea of what people are interacting with, looking at your click-through rates and things like that to see what people are clicking on. And so it's more about that type of objective. Got it. Just to clarify, so consideration is one objective. Yes. Conversion is another objective, but they're the same essential ad is what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Yes. It's kind of like with brand awareness, et cetera, on Facebook, where you can still optimize for different key metrics and different parts of the funnel that you want to. Consideration doesn't let you optimize for anything but cost per click, though. So really, if you're wanting to, over time, get obviously more conversions, then you would want to use what what they now call a conversion campaign. And it used to be, I get this question all the time, that you could only use a conversion campaign if you had had 50 conversions on one particular product within a week's time. And they eliminated that rule, but I still recommend that that's a good starting place. So that's a really good ideal goal. But inside the conversion campaigns, you can optimize for lead, you can optimize for add to cart, and you can optimize for checkout, they call it, or which is considered purchase. Okay, so a couple of questions that are spawning from all this. So where do these ads generally show up? You said search. Mm -hmm. Is that where they all show up or how does that work exactly? Yeah. Speak to the people that don't actively use Pinterest right now, but maybe are familiar with Facebook and Instagram, because I'm sure there's some people here listening right now that are not on Pinterest and are like having (laughs) a hard time visualizing where these ads show up. Yeah. So if you remember, and this is the same that's true for Facebook, if you remember back in the day, I'm sure when you set up your account, you can choose a variety of different things that you're interested in, whether it be fashion or beauty or photography or art. Inside the different campaigns, you can choose those broader interest base. And that's similar with Facebook. Facebook, you can also check things that maybe, for example, if you're looking at a higher priced product, people who like other higher priced products or higher priced brands like Lamborghini or something like that, you're going to have a better idea of finding your target audience. And so you've got the interest based and then you've also got keyword based where you can look up different keywords inside the keywords manager and see, okay, here's a great keyword that people are searching often. And then you can also choose your different placements. So it could be through search It could just be through interest categories. It could be through related. So somebody may see, this happens a lot that we see like in the mom and baby sections or mom and baby categories where if you search something in parenting, then Pinterest will also show you something for baby. Mm. So you've got a few different type of placement options that you can look and, and they also have shopping campaigns so you can look inside the shop feature as well. Does an ad look different than organic content in the search results? Yes, depending on how you create it. 
So we go more aggressively on discounts and calls to action and things like that with our ads versus our organic is typically more education-based and really just trying to get them to engage with the brand and how-to and DIY. That kind of thing does better typically for organic, but we try everything. (laughs) Got it. And generally speaking, do you find that if you target search versus these interest categories versus these I forget what you called the other one, like recommended categories. Mm-hmm. Do you just let the system pick for you automatically, generally speaking, or do you recommend starting with one placement like search? Yeah, now they actually have similar to how Facebook has kind of like that CBO type of campaign where you can campaign budget and leave it open on your interest selections and let the algorithm search for you. Pinterest has another feature called expanded targeting where they will actually do that as well. So you can try just a straight expanded targeting search and see how that works for you as well. So you've got a lot of different options on the learnings. Either way, it's going to take you whatever way you choose to start. It will take you some time to figure out where basically your audience is at. So you can test a lot of different things. And that's one of the things that we do is we do test and try a lot of different things just to see where people are hanging out. Because a lot of times you're surprised (laughs) something that may seem very logical doesn't really convert as well. (laughs) Can you target somebody else's boards or is that not an option? No, it's not an option on Pinterest. Unless they have like keywords, you can target someone else's keywords. Conversion. You mentioned leads. Uh And you mentioned add to cart and you mentioned purchase. So I'm assuming with a lead ad, it's collecting the data for you. And then somehow you're going to have to export it out. Is that correct? No, it's not like a Facebook lead ad. No. Okay. It's an actual, you have to send them off site to a landing page. So you'll have to collect it. Oh, and then the pixel is somehow tracking it. Okay, got it. So add the cart and purchase is the same way, right? Yes. You're firing pixels basically on your website to try to track those conversion ads. And is the billing the same or is the billing different? I mean, how does that work? Yes, you have billing thresholds. They're kind of similar to Facebook, but they don't bill like every $2 or every $5 when you're first starting out. Are you paying per (laughs) click across the board regardless of objective? Yes. Okay, okay. No, I mean, you're paying in your ads manager, whatever your ads manager shows up. And so over time, like your cost per action or whatever you would call it, CPA, is going to be different, but your price per conversion is just going to be the cost of whatever it costs to convert. So yes, you're mainly bidding on cost per click, paying on cost per click, I should say. Is it smart enough to know that some people are more curious and they're just going to click and some people are more buyers and they're going to actually add to cart and is intelligent enough like Facebook tries to be, you know, Mm -hmm. to like say, hey, these people are shoppers and these people are browsers and we're going to go ahead and find the shoppers for the conversion ads and the browser for the consideration ads? Yes, I would say it's getting better and better. Two years ago, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, cool. Now, yes, much better. Do you recommend people start with traffic ads, consideration ads? Okay. I would. Just because you got to run and test a couple things on your pixels. Probably, I think one of the questions you asked me pre-questionnaire was, what is one of the worst things that ever happened? When I very first started out years and years ago, I spent... $10,000 a day on someone's ads who the pixel ended up not working correctly. And so that was a really fun, super initial, (laughs) but that was a long, long time ago. And they didn't tell it. That's one of the things is it's very important with Pinterest ads. If you make changes to your website or anything like that, it can boot the pixel off. So 
that's one thing that we changed and we actually write it into our contract now is like, you have to tell us exactly when something has changed because it has to be reviewed. That's one of the obnoxious downsides I would say of Pinterest is the tracking is a lot more difficult than your general Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot more solutions that are integrated. Now on the shopping side of things, the shopping ad, I want to understand, you said that's the one where you can do retargeting. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you're retargeting someone who visited your site or your cart and abandoned it? Or does it mean you're retargeting someone who is shopping for a specific thing on Pinterest? Yeah, so you can do retargeting in any of the objectives, but inside the shopping campaigns for the dynamic retargeting, that's the only place where you can serve an ad back to somebody where they've already engaged with that specific product. I see. So, but inside conversions, for example, you could retarget site visitors or all add to carts or people who hit a certain URL or pin engagers, that kind of thing. Got it. Is there anything more we need to know about the shopping ad? I love them. (laughs) I mean, what else do we need to know about it? They're amazing. Actually, that's the best place that we've seen people have really good long-term consistent success. We've had to try a lot of different things and you you definitely want to try a few different types of product groups if you're going to try them. They've opened it up now to where there are actually multiple feeds inside the shopping campaign. So you can definitely break things out and try different things, which makes it a lot easier now than than it ever has been. So... There's a lot of room for testing. Explain a little bit more. Give an example for those that maybe aren't tracking 100%. Like, yeah. think of a client, like, what can you do with the shopping ads that you maybe can't do with the other ones? So, say you wanted to do a campaign with all of your best sellers. Say you have a thousand total products, but you have 30 products that do really well consistently on other ad platforms. You could create a feed with only those 30 products and make sure that those only get served. And then you could test if, say, you wanted to test some new products or you had 10 new products that you wanted to try for Black Friday or something like that. You could create a different feed and place it in there and try just those products. So you can break things out and the testing is easier now. And when you say feed, what do you mean exactly? Mm -hmm. A feed is basically, so if you've seen on Google where you can see, or you've probably been retargeted on Facebook or Google with an ad that shows five or six different pictures that you can kind of scroll through with different products. Oh, like a carousel ad on Facebook. Okay. Like a carousel, but it's an automatically populated type of ad that shows a bunch of different types of products. So they're doing that same thing on Facebook and Google as well. And when you show a shopping ad, What exactly are they looking at? Are they looking at nice visual images that they can scroll through and then a button that says shop now? Or what is that? How does that look? Because I know I'm getting into the creative side of it right now. So like Mm -hmm. help us understand the creative side of it. So for the shopping campaign, that's the only one that you don't really have a ton of control over. You're really going to be pulling in images from your website. So if you have good quality images and you have multiple variants, a.k.a. say you sell a red purse that you also sell in blue and green or black, then you can choose how you want those feeds to show up and populate so people could see products of different colors, that kind of thing. But they're going to pull directly images from your website. Every other type of campaign, you can create your own images and make them look basically however you want or video as well. On the shopping side of it, does it integrate with like WooCommerce and Shopify and all that kind of stuff? It does. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So it pulls, it allows you to kind of dynamically select stuff from those to create the ads. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yep. You can customize the feeds both with an app that you would install on, on Shopify or on the actual platform itself. You can make your own feeds too. So 
what kind of creative should we be using with ads? I mean, talk to us about this a little bit because obviously it's a visual platform, right? So talk to me about like what our options are with some of these ads. Yeah, so definitely you want to either do video or just regular images. There are a lot of different types of ads now that they've come out with. One is like a video view ad similar to what you would see on Facebook where you're trying to optimize for video views. Those are kind of expensive still. So what we do instead is we actually create videos and put them inside the different types of campaigns. So you can use video on anything, brand awareness, traffic, consideration, except for shopping. Shopping is the only one that you can't. And then with your images, I personally am very bright (laughs) in the personality. So I like to have very bright images that same idea with Facebook where you're trying to stop the scroll and get people interested in what it is that you're doing. Now, I will say that even though we try a lot of bright things, sometimes things that are more DIY or more native looking, aka they look like they fit more naturally into the feed and they don't stand out as like this bright ad are going to do well, just depending on your audience, do well as well too. On the images side of things, is the ad 100% image or is there also text with the ad? You can use a lot of text. We do use a lot of text, which is different. I know Facebook has kind of abolished their 20% rule or whatever when it comes to text, but I don't know. There's, sometimes I still feel like they So you Wait, you're <laughs> using prefer. text in the image, not text yes. and an image, right? It's just yes. an, the ad is 100% visual. There is no text outside of you baking it into the image. No or yes? No, we use them on the images as well as you will have a headline and a 160 character description similar to Twitter has just like a super short description, but we use that a lot for our keywords. And so there's not a lot of space. You end up having to really create just the interest and then get them off the page onto your blog or your product page more so. Does the headline and the description show above or below the image? Below. Got it. And what about the dimensions of the image? Because, you know, back in the day when I used to be more active on Pinterest, everything was like super tall and skinny. Yeah. You know, is it still that way? Same. Yeah, it's the same. (laughs) Okay. So infographic kind of stuff or do you have recommended sizes? I mean, like, what do you recommend? At least two by three is going to be your best option. And then, yes, definitely, if you want to use infographics and kind of explain things a little bit more, those usually get pretty good engagement as well. Are most people on their phone or on a computer when they're looking at Pinterest? A surprising number of people are on their computer. So that's good because you have a bigger display so you can get away with more stuff, right? Yep. But do you recommend it? The text has to be on the image big enough that you can read on a mobile phone because obviously it's a smaller display, right? Definitely. And I definitely see a lot of accounts that I look at that they don't do that. I'm like, no, you need a bigger logo. It needs to be almost obnoxious. (laughs) What are your suggestions about like what should be included in the image itself when you're making an ad? Definitely your logo, a good call to action, a good headline and a great quality picture for sure. Some type of just a description. You want to get to where the text looks nice and clean, but you want to get enough text on there to get the idea of across of them clicking on the image for sure. So when you say headline, You're not talking about the headline that shows below the ad and text. You're talking about a headline that looks like it's the front of a magazine or something. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. Something at the top. And then the call to action options. What are the options? I mean, click now. Anything. I mean, what what are you putting in your ads? I mean, like for your customers. Yeah, a lot of shop now, check it out, read more, learn more. Got it. That kind of thing. Take the course. 
get a free download, all that kind of stuff. Now, when people click on an ad, does it pop open in the Pinterest app when you're on the mobile device like it does in Facebook or does it pop over to their browser? Do you understand what I'm asking? This is one of the banes of my existence on Pinterest. <laughs> it used to be that they would have what are called two tap ads, kind of like you're describing where you would tap the pin, the pin opens up itself and you can actually read the description that's written. And that's how it is for organic images now. Okay. But for ads, they have integrated this. It's a unique feature that basically tries to turn the ad into a landing page. So when you click the ad, it looks like it's natively opening into a landing page. So you'll open it, the image will show up and then you'll have to scroll up and the image will actually turn into the landing page. Oh, I think I've seen this on Facebook sometimes. So does that mean some of the calls to actions might be scroll up or whatever? Yes. Okay, got you could it. definitely say scroll up. All right, let's talk about video. Is it automatically muted or unmuted? Do you have to press a play button? How does that work with the video ads? Yeah, it's automatically unmuted if you have your sound off on your phone. It's unmuted if your sound is yeah. on, you mean? You said off. Yes, both. Okay. So I would say if you're going to use video, we always recommend using captions no matter what. If you're speaking in the video, typically the videos are very short. So there's not typically a lot of communication per se. Usually it's music. Definitely I would use music. If you're going to do a longer how-to tutorial, et cetera, et cetera, I would definitely use captions. Do they, how long, how long are the traditional video ads? Seven to 15 seconds. <laughs> super, super short. That's the limit. Okay. Seven to 15 seconds. No, there's no limit. Oh, but you recommend that. Okay. Yes. What we're seeing that's actually converting. Do they loop if they're short like that or no? No. Okay. Nope. What happens at the end of the video? Does a call to action thing show up on the screen? No. Nope. Okay. That's why we usually say that you should do like a front and back, almost like an ad image on the front and back end. So then you can say people can actually like click it if they're looking at it through the feed. Oh, so you can add essentially a thumbnail in the front and one at the back. Is that what I'm hearing you say of the video? Yep. That's what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then generally speaking, people will not unmute it is what I'm hearing you say, or? Typically they don't. Okay. So when you say you should include captions, is closed captioning built in? Or are you talking about baking the captions into the video? So it actually is there no matter what. Yes, we recommend that you bake them in, okay. <laughs> write them in yourself. No, it's not automatically done. What do you recommend as far as like, tell us about what works with a video ad on Pinterest? You definitely want to grab the attention. And if you have a product, you want to show the functionality very quickly. We like almost, I guess... You would think that a DIY style video would do really well, but typically they don't. The mm. The better produced videos do better on Pinterest. So yeah. if you have one that's like got an animated logo and you're showing the product, someone using the product. So lifestyle images do really well. Anything where someone's actually like physically, you have either a model or somebody from your brand in the picture using or in the video using the product do way better than just straight product videos. Form factor of the video, you recommend square, you recommend vertical. What do you recommend? Yes, also vertical, at least two to three. So, I mean, I guess people should probably film it on their phone then. Yeah. That's the default thing, right? Uh -huh. So I know you said it looks better if it's more professionally done, but do you advise people experiment with just filming on their iPhone or whatever, just to kind of give it a go? Or is video ads much more expensive and maybe they should start with an image ad before they go down that road? 
I would say test it organically. If you want to try your video first, just throw it up on your organic strategy first before you start putting a bunch of money towards it. Because yes, I've had so many clients that come in and say, we have great videos and we try and I, they convince me to try the video and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and typically they just don't do as well or it takes so much longer to get them to convert. And I'm not really a thousand percent sure why. You would think it would be the other way around, but historically and even still to this day, straight static images perform better for us. Okay, this brings up another question, which is, does everything that you make an ad, should it start out as an organic thing? And can you turn any organic post into an ad? Or is it more just, yes. you can, okay. Yes, yeah, you can. We test a lot of different things. So sometimes, yes, I will test and see how I think something's going to do organically. But because it's a search engine, it doesn't always pick up right away. So if you're doing any type of SEO, you understand that it takes a while for the algorithm itself to view your page as an authority site. And so it can take longer in search, even if something does better longer term. But sometimes we'll throw it up and say, hey, if we get a certain number of impressions or views by the next couple of weeks, then we'll start trying these different types of videos. But yes, I would say you don't necessarily need to do that, but it's worth a try. How accurate is Pinterest analytics? Do you use Google Analytics in addition do you understand where I'm going with this? Yes. Yeah. Talk to us about that. This is a very difficult question. Yeah. <laughs> Pinterest analytics, I would say, is the hardest to track of any platform, unfortunately. Huh. Thankfully, I have a friend who works in the engineering department. And so he and I have worked through a million solutions. And we actually have one that does track accurately now. But it is a third-party solution. Google Analytics doesn't really track correctly for a number of reasons. One, pixel on site generally. We'll have bits of code that are on site, but if we're using GTM, it automatically nullifies some of the UTM parameters and things like that so that it doesn't get tracked. Yeah, Google Tag Manager for those that don't know what GTM is. So what's the third-party solution that you used? What do you recommend? Yes, the best one is called Wicked Reports. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, so you integrate that into Google Analytics in particular? or No, okay. um, if Pinterest doesn't really integrate well with Google Analytics because of what I explained earlier with how yeah. it tries to create its own landing page. Remember how I was mm. saying instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of two tap, it's now one tap. And so that actually makes it look like to Google Analytics that someone's bouncing off of the ad I see. quickly. So it, it doesn't give you good accurate data. And then of course, no platform really gives good attribution data the way that it should for Pinterest. And so we've literally had to build custom APIs for everything to make sure that it tracks and we have custom reporting and we test and try a million different things and have all these <laughs> solutions for it. But we do have a solution, thankfully. It's just definitely a little bit more expensive, but it's not just for Pinterest. It's for every platform. And so especially right now with everything that's going on with the iOS updates, you really have no other choice but to change to a server-side solution, it's called anyway, which means your own server is tracking the outside data and pushing it back towards your pixel so that you know what's actually converting. Wait, did I hear you right? There's a server solution called Anyway, or did I mishear you? No, pretty much everyone is having to transfer over to what's called a server-side analytics or server-side tracking yep, yep, option. Yep. Yeah, like we use Drip and we it's a first-party yeah. data. You're talking about a first-party data solution that will somehow allow you to have that data yourself instead of being tracked by third-party. Now, yes. just real quick, does Pinterest tend to under or over report conversions in your opinion? It's accurate when you have the correct data. 
I personally believe it underreports because most people are not seeing Pinterest as the first touch right. in general because it is a pre I call it a pre search engine, aka people are going on there for inspiration, all this other kind of stuff. And right. so the time between when a person actually converts to yeah. a buyer is always longer than what is more of a quote performance based marketing platform like Facebook or Google which takes credit kind of at the last click and Google analytics as well is really a last click tracking platform. So you may see a million impressions or a million clicks from Pinterest, but you're not going to see a lot of conversions because 90% of conversions are over 14, 14 to 20 days long. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of delay. Right. And that's getting harder to track now with all these iOS updates and everything. So it's got a secondary value that's super high, right? So like they might come in the first time through Pinterest and they might come back through some email campaign and then the email gets the credit, but you don't realize that the Pinterest is what brought them there in the first place, right? Bingo. Excellent. That's exactly right. (laughs) Lindsay, this has been amazing. If people want to understand more about the things you've got going on, where do you want to send them? Yeah, so we have a very special $500 off credit for you guys in addition to a $1,000 ad spend credit if you want to come and test out Pinterest ads with us and you can check us out at pins, the number four profit.com. We've got that specially for you and we'll have a link for y'all to to check it out. You can definitely test it. So if you have an e-commerce brand or an info product brand or even a software as a solution product that you think would be a good fit for a Pinterest market, I absolutely feel like we are the absolute best chance that you'll have of success. So I'm happy to help you come and get to a solution so you can definitely connect with us. And we have tons of free resources too, free downloads to get your first ad set up. All that good stuff will be available for you. So pins the number four profit.com. What's your favorite social channel if people want to reach out to you on the socials? Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. We have a cool Facebook group too, where we do a lot of free education. So hit me up at Lindsay B. Shearer. (laughs) L-I-N-D-S-A-Y S-H-E-A-R-E-R. But there's a B in the middle of there is what you said, right? Okay, cool. B as in boy. Uh (laughs) All right, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a blast. Awesome. Happy pinning, everyone. (laughs) Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 480. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long time listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll see you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.